0: How does the law of God apply to the believer today on the Weekly Kingdom Outlook? Let's get going. Hey, greetings, folks. Apostle Lewis here with you, and I'm going to touch on a subject that the church has to get back to the truth of the gospel, back to the truth of the kingdom, back to the truth of the word of God, because we have a lot of heresy. A lot. I mean, folks, uh, in the last week, <clears throat> I saw where one preacher said the Bible's hateful and you shouldn't read it. He was a preacher. Preacher. Another one saying homosexuality is okay because God loves us. Um, and that the Bible doesn't apply today, well, I have a problem with that, as you might uh, suspect. And the reason I have a problem with that is because if the Bible doesn't apply today, then neither can Christ. Neither can Jesus. Because I'm basing who Jesus is initially off the Word. And if I'm now going to say the Word's not valid today, then maybe Jesus isn't either. And I create myself a conundrum that I can't get out of it. But don't worry, folks, just so you know, I believe Jesus is the Son of God risen from the dead, and I believe his word is eternal. Now, what I want to do today is just kind of talk about where does that law work today? Where does the the scriptures work in our life today? Uh, Number one, people don't realize the Bible says that you are washed by the word, not just by the blood. But but the bride is washed by the washing of the word of God. So we can't throw out the word of God because it washes us, and that would make us unclean. Jesus actually said to his disciples, "You are clean because of the word I've spoken to you." So we can see the power of the word. Do we really want to? Um, <clears throat> do we really want to just forsake the the very word of God? I don't think we really want to do that. But John fifteen does declare. That you're already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Now you got a whole bunch of people who believe God doesn't speak today. Well, then we're not clean because God couldn't speak to us. So we have these conundrums when it comes to um, not just false doctrine, because there is false doctrine, then there's just ignorant doctrine. And there's Jesus warned us to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Now, I want to address something that most people don't really understand. And I I really mean that. They just don't understand. Jesus seems to come in like a wrecking ball into Israel. And he does. And this is why Jesus says, I haven't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. Jesus comes in like a wrecking ball and says, you know, I haven't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. And there's a reason why he's saying this and addressing this is because what Jesus is actually wrecking is Judaism, which is not biblical. Judaism was a puffed up mixture of the law of God and Babylon. And they had taken a lot of things they learned in Babylon. They had mixed it with the one true God. They had brought it into the temple, into temple worship, into their writings. And so most Christians don't understand 252 laws in the Torah to 613 in the Talmud or in the rabbinical writings. Over a hundred of those laws made women property. Women couldn't divorce. Uh, women had to be veiled. Um, these were all laws given by the rabbis that came out of Babylon. One of the greatest things that the church doesn't know is that Rosh Hashanah is not biblical. And they go, well, it's a Jewish Year." No, it's not. It's not biblical. It's actually demonic worship. Okay, so just go to Ezekiel chapter 8, and I'll show you this so you can get mad at me later. <clears throat> he, said, he says this, this is Ezekiel. Now, Ezekiel is going through the temple with God, it's, it, and he's going to see all the abominations that the Jews are doing. Okay, this is in the second temple, and he's going through and he's finding all the sins that are going on in the house of Israel. And God takes him in and shows him all those things, and it says, "So he, the Spirit, brought him to the door, of the north gate of the Lord's house." And to my dismay, women were sitting sitting there weeping for Tammuz. Now, who's Tammuz? Tammuz was the agricultural god of Babylon that you would pray for her, for his or hers. I don't know if it's him or her. Resurrection after summer or. Uh, when summer started and the rain stopped, they would begin to pray because that was the death of Tammuz. And you had to pray for the resurrection of Tammuz before the fall so that you, when you planted in the fall season, because they would plant in the fall and it would come up in the spring, that when you planted, by the way, that's how you plant barley, by the way, which barley was actually used in the Bible to discover the first month, which happened in the springtime. Okay, it says it said when you see the barley coming onto the stalk, that then look for the next moon and that's the first month for you. God didn't have names for the months except for 1 through 12. That was God's names for the months. He didn't have Nisan and all that. Those are all Babylonian names that were mixed in later. But most Christians, let alone Jews, know this. Rosh Hashanah is not biblical. It's demonic. It's actually the worship of Tammuz. Most Christians do not know this and they have not studied this out. But go look up Google Tammuz, T-A-M-M-U-Z. Go, go and look at it. And this is what's going on here uh, in Ezekiel. That he's to his dismay, the women are sitting there weeping for him because they're not supposed to weep for. A false God, but they are worshiping according to pagan waves. And and then the Spirit says to them, Have you seen this, O Son of Man? Turn again. You'll see greater abominations. Let me explain this: a Day of Atonement, beautiful. Putting Rosh Hashanah on there, demonic. And it's a mixture, and a lot of people think they're doing God's thing. Oh, the Rosh Hashanah, and they have this big celebration. They don't realize they are worshiping pagans, they don't realize it. And so Um, that's one of the things that understanding the word and actually asking the questions to God is important. So is Jesus destroying the law? No, he's not. He says he came to fulfill the law. And that word fulfill sometimes means, it means I'm going to walk it out for you. I'm going to show you how it works. I'm going to, I'm going to show you how it works. I'm going to walk this thing out before you. And you're going to see that you can walk it out. But So how does the law fit in now? How does the law fit in? Well, here's the thing. The righteous requirements of the law are still there, except for in Christ Jesus, they have been fulfilled. The way our salvation works is we now sit there, not only, listen, not only has Jesus fulfilled the punishment, which is death for our sins, he has also walked out, perfectly the law. Therefore, both are fulfilled, the righteous requirements and the penalty for our sin. You got to understand, this is the gospel. The gospel is not just he paid for our sins. That's not just it. This is where a lot of Christians haven't studied the covenant. And and I try to teach this a lot and uh, talk about this a lot because a lot of people haven't actually don't understand how how beautiful what he has done for us. Let's look at Colossians chapter 2 verse 11. In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. Paul explains that in his other letter Romans. By putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, which you also were raised with him through faith. Remember faith, because it's not through grace, and it's not by love, but by faith. Okay? By faith. In the working of, not faith in myself, not faith in my own works, but in the works of God. This is where my faith lies. Buried with him at baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven your you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us. In other words, everything we had to do to be righteous has been wiped out, which was contrary to us he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. He didn't just nail your sins. He took everything that you were to do in the law that was to make you righteous, and he nailed it to the tree. What does that mean? It means you're not made righteous by what you do. Now, do what we do, does it have weight? Is it a problem? Yes. Listen, The the wages of sin is still death. That hasn't stopped. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. But if I go and live in sin, it brings spiritual death. You go, no, I'm a believer. It'll bring spiritual death. Why? Because you can't love Christ. You either love Christ and hate sin, or you cling to sin and you despise Christ. And this is where you got a lot of people who like homosexuality more than they love Jesus. And so they'll cling to their homosexuality. And then they sit there and say, you know, I'm offended by Jesus. I'm offended by Christians. They despise it. Even though they grew up Christian, why do they despise it? Because they have clung to their sin. And now Christ is offensive to them. Where Christ was once their life and their, their, their everything. But when they started to cling to sin, Jesus said, you will turn around and you end up despising the one that you once loved. That's the power of sin. It's not more powerful than the cross, but you can't cling to both. You can't cling to Christ and at the same time cling to sin. And without the law, here's what you have to understand. Without the law, how would you know that you sinned? How would you know you're in sin? How would you know that adultery is wrong without the law? So let's explain. When those people say the law doesn't matter anymore, okay. I've said this. to like Look, I've been married faithfully with my wife. Uh, next month, just over a month, it's going to be 35 years we've been married. And we've been faithful to each other. We, we just so love each other. I so love my wife. I don't mind saying that right here. I so love her. I so look at her, and just think I am the most blessed man. It's been it has always been easy for us, but we've always loved each other. Like we've had you know leaving my job for the ministry wasn't easy, but we clung to each other in Christ and we walked through it. Uh, I've been shot. We've had people badmouth us. We've had you know we've had the things of life, but we've always had each other in Christ through it all. And so when I say this, I'm saying this tongue-in-cheek because it's not happening, but would you be okay with me having a girlfriend on the side? If sin doesn't matter, can I do that? Are you okay with um, uh, your ministers having affairs or maybe having more than one wife? Are you Because you can't go, well, the Bible says you you should be married to one woman because you're using the word. You can't go to the word when you just said the law of God doesn't matter. See, because the word is what tells us this is right, this is wrong. It's our moral code. It tells me murder is wrong. Are you okay with ministers and people committing murder? Are you okay with raping? I mean, this is the problem if you get rid of the law. Okay? So you don't want to do that. A society without law is a society in chaos. Then you go, wait a minute, blue. But we're in love, yes. But remember, loving the Lord thy God and loving thy neighbor as thyself fulfills the commandments, doesn't it? In other words, if you truly love your God, you won't commit murder. You won't bear, you won't do these things, you won't lie about your neighbor. You won't, you won't covet, you won't murder, you won't kill, you won't do these things. If you love the Lord thy God and you love thy neighbor, You'll love your enemies. Do you understand? So it's not that the those the love wiped out those things, it fulfills them. It actually says, Thou shalt not murder, and that shall not have other gods. And not it says this. That's the right way. That's the right way. If I love you and love my neighbor, then those ten are taken care of okay? I am not a legalistic guy. I'm very, I mean, very gracious with people. Look, I get calls. People are in trouble, and I get calls. They need help, and I'll help them. I'll help restore them. I'll do all that, because I believe everyone's valuable. I do. I just believe that we're valuable as human beings to God. He saved us. That's our value. But to think that the law of God, has no consequence. Paul said he wouldn't have known sin if it wasn't for the law. How would he even know, thou shalt not? Co- How would he know coveting his neighbor's wife would have been sin except for the law commanded? Jesus didn't just forgive you of your sins, he took the righteous requirements, everything you would have to do to be forgiven. Listen, the righteous judgment upon you for sin was death. He took our place. But there was all these righteous requirements that were required for you to be forgiven or justified. You had to offer up turtle doves. You had to offer up a bull. You had to offer up a ram, a sheep, a lamb, all this stuff, right? All those things, all the righteous requirements of the law have now also been nailed to the tree. I don't have to offer up a bull anymore. I have to offer up myself. I always tell people the three things, priestly ministry, the top three things we do, ourselves we offer ourselves up as a living sacrifice we offer up our tithes that belong to to god and we give them to the lord and and melchizedek it says receives them in heaven and three we offer up the sacrifice of praise and if you do these three things you are really on your way to fulfilling something wonderful in your life and so but what the when the bible says the law was weak through flesh it meant and we couldn't fulfill it, no matter how we tried. And so we're not justified. It says we're not under the law for righteousness sake. I'm not under the law at all. But the law is there every time I transgress to make me aware I've transgressed. It's like the speed limit. <laughs> the speed limit warns me, the police enforce it. Going down the road, it says 70. I got the cruise set at 90. I know the speed's bad, but I have no consequences for it, right? Until I get confronted. So you might be be cheating, lying, stealing, having an affair, doing all these things. And you might think you're getting away with it, but you're not. You just haven't been confronted yet. And the word confronts. I've had people say, "Man, I, I don't, I don't like, you know, I, I don't, I don't find anything encouraging in the word. It's always convicting." Well, I said, "Well, stop sinning." I mean, if I'm out there having an affair, thank God, I would tell you, "Thank God, the word convicts me." You don't understand. Not having conviction isn't good. When Paul says in Romans, if we turn there, Romans chapter eight, when Paul says that, uh, and people quote this scripture wrong all the time. They go, the law of the spirit has set me free. The law of the spirit and life in Christ, uh, for the law of the spirit of the life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Okay. But people quote this one, listen. Now therefore, now is therefore no, now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That's not, that's not the scripture. There are other half that scripture who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Now, let me explain to you what the flesh is and what the spirit is. That's not, I'm walking, um, I'm in the spirit and I'm walking or I'm walking in natural. He's, a, a, this is two covenants. Because he talks about in chapter two and three that the circumcision, the old circumcision was of the flesh. The new circumcision is of the heart, the spirit. That's what he's talking about. So flesh is not, I'm eating cereal. I'm actually in the flesh. You know, I have water. This is flesh drinking. That's not what he's talking about. There's no condemnation for those who rely and put their faith in the finished work of Christ over those who put it in the law. The law, when I sit there, and if I want to live by the law of Moses, like this is how I'm going to be justified, okay, I'm going to offer up these bulls. I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to say all these prayers. And that's how I'm going to be justified. I'm not going to, I'm going to always have conviction because there's always something I didn't do. There's always going to be something I didn't do perfectly. I didn't do, I'm going to wake up, forget a prayer, whatever, whatever it might be. I might get mad at my neighbor for no reason. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to mess it up. The Bible says no one is justified by the law. So it's not saying, um, we're thinking actions, flesh or spirit. We're, we're thinking our focus. That's what I you to say. If I'm going to be justified by the law, I'm not going to make it. I'm always going to have condemnation. But if I put my faith in the finished work of Christ, not just his death, listen, not just his death, the punishment for my sins, not just his death, but the life of Christ his finished work, his his fulfilling to the point that the Father said, this is my Son, my Son has done everything. It says Jesus was obedient even unto death. I'm I'm putting my my faith, even his finished work. Listen what Paul wrote, Galatians chapter 2. If you never can find which the Gospels are there, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, God eats popcorn. Just remember that one. That's a little way to find it real quick. Two. Let's start at um, verse 11. Now, when Peter had come to Antioch, I would stood him to his face because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, He would eat with the Gentiles, but when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing that those who were of the circumcision and the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with them, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. But when I saw that there were no straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, if you, being a Jew, live in the manner of Gentiles And not as the Jews. Why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified." But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are found sinners, is Christ therefore a minister of sin? Certainly not. For if I build again... In other words, what he's saying, if the sinner here is now to move away from Christ to go back to the law. That's what he's talking about here. For if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. In other words, Peter, you preach Christ. what you did to Cornelius' house on the day of Pentecost. You preached Christ. But if you go back to building the law and the old things again, you are a transgressor and a sinner. You're not sanctified anymore. For through the law died to the law. For For I through the law died to the law that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. The life we live now, we are walking out the life of Christ in us and through us. And then look at what he says in chapter five, verse one: Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again to the yoke of bondage. In other words, don't get yourself for trying to be justified by the law. You see, Christians do this with the Sabbath. Okay, they're going to be justified by the law. They're going to be justified by it. Do not do it. Why? Because if you start getting justified by the law again, you're in bondage again to the law. But you want to be bondage to Christ. You want to be a bondservant to him. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole. Now, we circumcise now, you know, we circumcise our kids Uh, but not because of the law, because of health, cleanliness, because God's way is always healthier, by the way, just so you know. For some reason, God always had a healthier way, but we didn't do it and tell our kids, you are now the circumcision. Never even told them that, you know what I mean? Okay. So that wasn't the purpose. He's saying, look, if you go and now, you tell these Gentiles, you got to be circumcised, which is what was going on, which is the argument in Acts 15. And Paul says, man, if you go back to this, You've walked away from that which is true and that which is right and you've 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 you're you're just falling this is what he says and i testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law you have become estranged from christ in other words look you can't love both Okay? If you're going to love being justified by the works of the law, you're not going to cling to Christ. You're going to become separated from him. Here we see it again, right? He said, You have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. Amen. Amen. God bless you. See, Jesus was tearing down Judaism. He wasn't tearing down Moses. He actually says, if you don't believe what Moses wrote, you're not going to believe what I'm saying. uh, John chapter five. Okay. So you have to understand that. Otherwise you think that, well, you hear people say, well, Jesus destroyed the law. No, he didn't. He actually says he didn't come to destroy it. What's the law for now? Well, the law is to let me know I need a savior. It's like this. My, my spiritual father, Randy Lester, used to say this. He's up with Jesus, but he used to say this all the time. He actually taught me this. I was just in my, um, I just got up and I took a shower and I went to go shave. And guess what? I could tell I needed a shave because I looked in the mirror and I went, oof, a bare shave. I had to comb my hair. Okay. I mean, my hair was all over the place. Some people can have their hair all over the place. I cannot. It drives me nuts. I look in the mirror to see what needs to be groomed, right? what needs to be cleaned up. Okay. You know what I don't do? I don't punch the mirror and grab a piece of glass and try to clean myself with it or shave myself with it. I have a shaver. I have this razor sitting there and I put some and I shave. Listen, if you sit there and by the law, try to be made perfect by the law, it's like punching that glass and picking it up. But if you are saved by Christ, when you look at the law and you see that you are not justified by it, that you have not fulfilled it, then you pick up your Savior, not your shaver, and you're justified by him, by his works completely fulfilling it for you. Amen? I hope that makes a little bit more sense. Paul, I was going to read this. I I actually turned there and I didn't um, say anything because I forgot. So uh, Galatians Chapter 1, Paul says this. For you have heard of my former, this is one thirteen of my former conduct in Judaism. Judaism was not biblical. I want you to go look this up. Go look up at Tammuz. Go look up. 252 laws in the Torah, 613 when Christ comes. Christ isn't saying the law of God is wrong. He's actually correcting him. You have heard it said of old. I tell you, I tell you, what's he doing? He is, the reason it was of such authority because, and really was, because he was bringing alive the truth of God that always was, that had gotten perverted over thousands of years. Amen? 1,500 years or whatever it was. Amen? Amen. Look, the law has its purpose It just doesn't have the purpose of making us justified. But if you commit adultery and I come up to you and go, that is wrong. You go, where? It's in the word. You go, I'm not justified by that. No, but you have to repent of that. You have to repent of that sin. Confess your sins. He is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of righteousness. If you don't want to repent, then we'll kick you out of the church. That's what Jesus said to do. That's what Paul said to do. Okay, we'll kick you out. If you don't want to repent, there's a three-step process. And then you're out. You get a chance to repent. If you don't want to stop. Why? Because why should you get the benefits of us living in covenant when you are living in the law? And you are living in your own flesh. So you don't get the benefits of that. Amen. It's a really harsh thing, but the church has to get back to the truth. If you want the Spirit of God to move mightily in your life, then allow Him to speak to you about your bad doctrine. Allow them to do that. Invite the spirit of truth to teach your truth. Invite the spirit of truth to teach your truth and you will find a wonderful relationship with the spirit of truth. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today. I thank you for this day, this wonderful, glorious day you have given us. Lord, I thank you that we are not made righteous by the law, but your law is holy and good. We were the ones who were too weak to walk it out. But your son Jesus did. We thank you. We receive not only his death, but his life and how he walked out perfectly before you. I thank you. Continue to correct us and shape us. Do it with your tender mercies and abounding love. And let us be changed into the glorious image of your son. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You have a great, great week. Bye-bye.